Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jeffrey Lyles. You are listening to Lyles Movie Files. I'm taking a break from my norm because I wanted to talk about something I did not want to write about, but I still wanted to share some thoughts on it. Over the weekend, NXT had its TakeOver Portland event, and if you've paid any attention to my site, I'm all about NXT. I like the storylines better. I like the roster. I think it's one of the best we've seen in years just in terms of talent, uh, the ability to cut good promos, and sensible, logical booking decisions. And Triple H is doing everything right with his brand, basically, and I've loved every takeover. Uh, This one was really close to being my favorite all time. The only thing that kind of stopped it from taking that high mark was some, I don't even necessarily know if I would call them questionable booking decisions, but just choices I wouldn't have gone with. And I think that was the only thing that was taken away from me with this show. Like every match I loved, I thought, and for the most part, the results were right. There were just a few changes to get to that endpoint that I had some issues with. But let's break down the show and see where things kind of went right and where they went wrong. So the first match on the show was Limitless Keith Lee defending his North American Championship against his longtime NXT storyline rival, Dominic Dijakovic. I started paying attention to these guys when they were both on the ROH roster. So it's fun seeing them in this new spotlight here in NXT and really showing what big guys can do. Um, Dijakovic was a guy who I thought ROH really needed to keep because he was one of those guys who was unique and stands out and has a style that's I mean, kind of similar to a lot of the smaller guys, but he's tall, so it looks cool with him doing it. And Keith Lee is just, dude, I can't even explain how Keith Lee is. When you look at him, it's like, eh. But when he starts wrestling, he's just so impressive. And he's got that presence that people can't teach. They just have it or they don't. And he has it in spades. And when he starts wrestling, the people get behind him. It's like, oh, man, this guy is special. And these guys have had like a great feud. They're they've gone. They're basically split. They're one, one and two. And they've had a couple triple threat matches where neither one, of course. And then they've gone. They've each split. So this is the match where we're going to figure out who the better man is. And. This is kind of an interesting point in their rivalry because they've been a team. They went after the Undisputed Era for the tag titles. They fought side by side in war games. So where before they had this, I hate you, I hate you too. Now it's more of a begrudging respect thing where, yeah, we're cool, but I got this title and you want my title. So I'm going to try to beat you. And this one went 2025. Uh, This is longer than most of their normal matches, and I think they kind of got a little like, whoa, we're out here for a long time. Maybe in the last, maybe about like the 15 minute mark, and they're still doing their thing, and their moves are impressive, but I felt like there was a point where they could have ended the match, everybody would have been happy, and they went a little bit past that point. So like there with every match there's an ideal endpoint where it's kind of that should be the end. And so you still have that feeling of wanting more. But 
you don't get it. So I was like, all right, cool. I'm down to see another match with these guys. And I think this one's like, okay, we've wrapped up this feud. Keith Lee got the win. He did his jackhammers version finisher. And that was the match. Shook hands, uh, propped each other up, big salute, sign of respect. That's the next, that's the end for them. The only thing now with Dijakovic is where does he go? Because he's not going to beat Cole for the title. And, you know, there's no other belt for him to go after because of the state of the tag team titles. So I don't know what they're going to do with him. Maybe they put him into a new feud with somebody. Maybe they put him into a faction with someone else who could use some people. I don't know. But both of these guys are great. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. Hopefully, it is not taking either of them to the the quote-unquote main roster, Raw SmackDown. Because sending Dijakovic to SmackDown or Raw would be a slow death. Although, I can almost see him fighting Drew McIntyre post-WrestleMania. Which could be a good feud, but then he would sink to oblivion and they'd have no idea what to do with him. So, best to keep him in NXT and come up with a new feud. So next up, we get the street fight with Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox. This has been such a bizarre feud for me because Tegan Knox joined Rhea Ripley's War Game Squad after teaming for months with Dakota Kai, and they were both Team ACL, and we recovered from our injuries. We're our best friends. We're training. And the second Rhea offers this War Game spot, Tegan's like, "Peace. I'll see you later." So I think this was a weird dynamic because normally when someone turns heel, it's like, wow, you have a real twisted sense of what happened here. You're in the wrong. You're the you're totally a terrible person. But I'm 100 percent behind Dakota in this because Tegan basically peaced out on her and didn't say we really need to have her on the team. If she's not on the team, I'm I'm not going to be on the team. She was just like, whatever, I'm going to this war games and I'll see you later. So when Dakota turned on her, beat her down and almost crippled her, it was like, yeah, well, that's kind of what happens. Now, the only thing here was Knox and Kai fought two weeks ago, or maybe it's three weeks ago, on NXT and Tegan got the win. And I did not understand that. Like like I said, I love NXT because they do such great booking. Like, they make sense with what they do. This was one of those cases where it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Dakota's the heel. She should be getting all the wins. And it doesn't have to be clean. She can just roll her up with the tights, hit her with something. But she has to keep that momentum. So Tegan feels cheated and wants payback and all this stuff. But to have Tegan win their first match since she turned on her was kind of like, uh, what's next? Anyway, they've been having this real heated feud. It's worked really well on the shows, on various takeovers. Um, so this time we finally get them one-on-one in a street fight. And they both don't come out in traditional wrestling attire, which was good. And they lay into each other. This was, this was a good women's street fight. Probably one of the better ones I've seen because their hatred for each other was believable. Tegan was like, oh no, you tried to take me out. I'm coming after you until I get tired of beating you down. And Dakota was just, I'm going to keep trying my best to retire you. It was great. And then we get the finish. So Tegan throws Dakota on this table. And she puts her neck 
un, on the chair like a like she's going to pilmanize her and it's like shoot this is going to be insane but it's kind of like you understand where she's coming from because she tried to take her out of wrestling so and i'm like well I, and it's one of those points where i'm like i don't see how they're going to do this because dakota is dead basically and she can't magically pop up without just ruining everything they've kind of built up so instead of that this newcomer who we haven't seen on nxt proper raquel gonzalez comes out she attacks tegan and and she's like on top right so she's going to smash her through the table only problem she just kind of tosses her at the table the table doesn't break and then dakota has to crawl over and get the win now, that would have been impressive if Raquel had come out there and just did some crazy power move, put her through the table, and was like, hi, I've been, in, I've been with Dakota all this time. Dakota was surprised. She didn't know who she was. The fans didn't know who Raquel was. And it just fell flat. It was like, ah, oh, man, you guys had this great match. It could have been the match of the night if they had just kept doing their thing and let it be a one-on-one match. But to have that outside interference from someone... We have no idea what she was doing, why she decided to help Dakota, and why she seems to hate Tegan Knox so much, too. It was just, it was a little much to ask the fans to buy into for the stranger being the difference maker. So I was like, ah, okay. That was, you know, so it was like, okay, um, we're, we're two of two. Both matches were good. But in both cases, they had a little something that could have been better if they made some adjustments. Next up is Finn Balor versus Johnny Gargano. And honestly, if you've paid attention to NXT for the Balor era, you know Balor doesn't have bad matches. Gargano has good to great takeover matches. So I was fully anticipating the potential match of the year candidate. By the end of the show, or in the match, I was not disappointed. This was everything I wanted. Balor seems totally rejuvenated doing Prince Devitt under the NXT banner and he's got that confidence he's got that arrogance that people loved about him when he was creating all this buzz over New Japan as a leader of Bullet Club and Gargano is is always the classic face where he can just rally people behind him and this time he was starting to channel into his darker side where you know, looking back, it was a little bit of foreshadowing because he started doing some taunting, doing some of Balor's gestures like the two guns. He did the John Woo uh, drop kick into the corner on the outside. So he was he was rising to the challenge of of uh, going after Balor on a on a level that he couldn't overcome. And this one, like the previous match, had that sense of two guys that hated each other who had a real rivalry and wanted to take each other out. But the fans are loving the new Finn Balor. He's not that smiling, grinning goof who is just happy at everything. He has an intensity to him. I mean, he's the Finn Balor, the Prince Devitt character that I love watching and was excited about seeing when he arrived in NXT. And all this time, I've been like, well, I can't wait for them to turn him heel because when he turns heel, he's going to be awesome again. They'll put Bullet Club with him and it's going to be great. We still haven't gotten like a faction behind him yet, but I kind of feel like we're getting to the point where he's going to need just some people behind him because he's just so charismatic that he can prop other people up. 
I keep thinking that Damian Priest is the perfect guy to be his bad luck valet, where he, he comes out to the ring with him and it's just like his bodyguard. Because I kind of feel like those two gimmicks kind of work in concert. And uh, Priest isn't quite at that level yet where he can hold his own in angles and promos. But as the guy with Balor, I think that's a good pairing. And they could also find, you know, two or three other guys to put with Balor. And I think they've got a cool idea for a faction. Now that's my take. But this match was absolutely great. Everything I wanted from these two fighting. Um, this is one of those matches I haven't seen. So it was a dream match to me. And it delivered much in the same way. On that level of excitement I had when um, Sami Zayn took on Nakamura that first time in TakeOver. And I was excited for it. It delivered. And this was this match. It was everything I wanted. And it came together perfectly. Finn Balor looks like a G. He looks like he's ready for the next step. Watch out. Whoever the champ's going to be. And yeah. I, I love this new take on Finn Balor. Can't say, can't not say enough good things about what they've done with him since he's returned to the black and gold brand. All right. So we have an NXT backstage promo with Kathy uh, Keen on her last appearance here on the show and because she's leaving the WWE and so we got the Undisputed Era talking to her Roddy's pissed off he's like I'm going to kill Velveteen Dream and the rest of the crew are going to win all their matches and I kind of feel like man maybe we could have found 10 minutes to have Dream versus Roddy tonight that way we could have all four of the Undisputed Era on the show the fans really wanted to see Velveteen Dream I felt like, yeah, it was a little too late to hype that match for a takeover, but it, there was no promise that it needed to be like a 30-minute epic. All I had to really do was go five, ten minutes, uh, go to no contest, and leave the fans excited for the next match, because we've got a long way to go between now and the next takeover, which is the night before WrestleMania. So I kind of feel like they, they could have squeezed that one in just to to give Dream and Roddy that takeover spotlight once more before WrestleMania weekend. Next up, we've got the NXT Women's Championship. We've got Rhea Ripley taking on Bianca Belair. I love Bianca Belair. I love her attitude, her whole gimmick, how she carries herself. She cuts promos. She acts like she's a main event star already. And I just dig her presentation and how she actually carries out her moves. I mean, I, I think she is the kind of person who benefits so much from being in NXT where they can keep honing their skills, their talents, and everything, those intangibles, before they start headlining pay-per-views on Raw or SmackDown. And Rhea Ripley somebody who I think they are really 100% behind. They booked her well, so the fans respond well to her. I dig her too, but... I hated this match in terms of how it was set up because it's it's not about Bianca Belair versus Rhea Ripley. It's, oh man, here's the last obstacle before Rhea fights Charlotte at WrestleMania. And I just feel like we've still got enough time between now and WrestleMania that they didn't have to ruin this match and this build by setting up Charlotte versus Rhea already. So going in, it was like, yeah, well, you know, Bianca's going to do her thing. But we know she's not going to win because Rhea's got to fight Charlotte. 
And I, one thing I really love about Bianca is that she is one hundred, no, two hundred percent proud to be a black woman in the WWE. Uh, last week she had a melanin's T-shirt on. This time she came out with the Black History in the Making robe, and her tights had that all over. And she kind of wore this goddess kind of neck piece, and she had some face paint on. It was a really cool look, and. I was like, man, I wish you were going to be able to make history winning the title with this, but it's whatever. So it's a good match. It's 1335. Um, Bianca and Rhea have good chemistry, and I think they, you know, if they just continue to fight, we could get a good rivalry out of these two. But it was also that thing of like, you know, there is no suspense here because we know Rhea has to win. And I was kind of wondering if maybe what they do here is they have Charlotte just interfere. So um, Bianca didn't have to take this L and maybe within one of these shows leading up to WrestleMania, we have Bianca versus Charlotte and then Charlotte wins. And like, maybe we make it a thing where Bianca and Charlotte have to fight to get the shot at Rhea at WrestleMania. So, I mean, clearly that was going to still end up with the same end result, but I feel like Bianca is now just going to sit in this limbo position because she has nothing to do. And the NXT women's title is now tied up with a challenge of a contender from Raw, which I hate so much. Okay, so speaking of Charlotte, she comes out and attacks Rhea. And she's like, yeah, I want you at WrestleMania, which we already knew. And then to kind of cash in her seat from the last NXT when she showed up. She attacks Bianca on the outside. And that's, you know, because they both attacked her when she showed up at NXT. Which is fine. That's what, you know, a heel. Because, gosh, I mean, how many times does Charlotte swap between being a face and a heel? I think clearly this is the last time she needs to switch off of being a heel for, like, the next five years. Because she's a heel. People don't like her presentation on TV. I think it just makes more sense because... She kind of has that Roman Reigns thing where it feels like every time she's getting something handed to her. And I think the fans are kind of at the point where they're over it. And there's so many more women that it's kind of like, why is it always about Charlotte? I like Charlotte. Um, She's cool, but I just feel like this division doesn't have to be it. And it, this division doesn't have to thrive based on Charlotte being in a spotlight role. So take that for how you will. And the last up here, not last up, but the second to last match, because this is now our championship run, we've got the NXT Tag Titles, the Undisputed Era, taking on the Broserweights. This match was so distracting for me because I was watching and they would not zoom in on Bobby Fish, who decided to stop dyeing his beard. And I was like, what is happening with his hair? But... He just stopped dying it after they finally, finally got a close-up. I was like, thank you. That's what's going on. So after that distraction, I could focus on Pete Dunne and our boy uh, Matt Riddle with his how many fish could Bobby Fish fry if Bobby Fish could fry fish. Ha! Got it. Okay. Um, This was fun. I, I love tag team wrestling. Like I said, I grew up watching NWA, so I am all about good tag team matches and this was a good tag team match undisputed era i mean i I feel like we don't appreciate them enough but they are so great 
And they make every tag team they fight look amazing. They go back and forth with them. There's high drama in the match. Lots of false finishes. And when we started seeing some miscommunication with Riddle and Dunn, it seemed like, okay. All right, so I know what the next feud is going to be. Matt Riddle versus Pete Dunn. But instead, they overcame it. And they got the big win. I think the timing was right for this because Undisputed Era has run this division for a long time. And I think now we kind of need to see what the heel tag teams in the division can do going against the Broserweights. And Riddle and Dunn have enough natural chemistry together that they could really run this thing for a while. I'm not quite sure what the end game for Undisputed Era is at this point. Is it to have them lose all their titles, then get them back for WrestleMania or afterwards? I know the deal is they're that steady presence that whenever the promotion needs them, they can just take all the belts and do their draped in gold prophecy again. But I thought this was a really good time for a title change. And now we can have the Forgotten Sons... See if they can step up. The grizzled young veterans can come back and fight for the titles. Um, there are a number of ways they could go with this. And I'm interested to see where and how long the Bros awaits last as champions. Because I also can see this very easily going to Riddle and Dunn actually fighting. Depending on how fast they want to turn one of these guys heel. We'll see. But I really, really enjoy this match. So this was one like Gargano and Balor that if you can only watch a few few of these matches, but I think you should carve out three hours to watch this show. Those are the two you probably really need to see. And now, finally, for real, it is the NXT Championship. Adam Cole defends his title against Tommaso Ciampa. Now, this one was a match that I was so torn on because... None of the Undisputed Era have titles outside of Cole now. He's watched his boys lose their titles, like, in consecutive uh, weeks. Now, the tricky thing was, does it make more sense? Or maybe not consecutive weeks. I take that back because uh, Keith Lee beat uh, Roderick a few weeks back. But he's over the course of the month, he's watched them lose their titles. And I was torn because I was thinking, Chompa's had this amazing comeback story. The fans are really behind him in a way that they've never really been behind him. I mean, he had that great, amazing heel run as champ. But they're, they've so embraced him as this... I don't want to belittle what he's done and say, oh, they've, they've really enjoyed his Stone Cold-esque run. But I feel like he has a lot of those traits and qualities. Like, he's sort of a loner, but he will work with people. He's got an edge... He's not afraid of going after an opponent, even if they have like a whole crew with them. And he just does some wild stuff. And I, I'm digging what Chomp is doing with his character. But Adam Cole is kind of the the front man for NXT right now. And you can count on him to deliver great takeover main event matches every time he's defending that title. Or even in multi team matches or multi-man matches with Undisputed Era. He always delivers. And unlike some other champions, he's not afraid to take an L to help get somebody over. So we had this this whole thing where it's like, okay, does Chamba get this big, big reward? 
Does he then go on to hold the title until TakeOver Tampa, where he loses, Champa loses in Tampa, uh, where he loses the belt back to Cole or resurgent Finn Balor? I mean, a Balor-Champa match seems like a pretty good way to highlight a TakeOver. So a lot of things kind of up in there with this, right? And just based on the really strong work they've done and how they kind of changed this this storyline progression, which I think was really cool, where they made it where Ciampa was so obsessed with getting after Cole because Cole took what was his, not the neck injury, not uh, Gargano winning the vacated title and then having to go back and forth with Cole. It was Cole stole all of this and kind of focused his anger on this one guy. I like that. That was cool. And so they just went at it. And this was, the fans are crazy. They were all into it. And so many crazy moves. I've gotten to the point in modern wrestling where I just have to accept that no one sells anything anymore. They can get shot in the head and they'll pop back up and do like eight more finishers. And that's a very begrudging thing because... I grew up in the in the time frame when Hulk Hogan hit that leg drop, the match was over. And when Ultimate Warrior kicked out, it was like, oh my gosh, this has never happened in the history of ever. So finishers really meant something to me when I grew up watching wrestling. Now they don't mean anything. And it's just a matter of how many times can you hit your ultimate super duper version of your finisher. But um, it's just how it is. So... I know I've read a lot of complaints that that's been a problem people have with this match, but I kind of feel like if you're raving about AEW, if you rave about New Japan, I mean, that's just, that's wrestling these days. And you, if you love it from one group, if you love it from one wrestler doing it, it's just how it is. And it's just wrestling nowadays. So this match was, was crazy. It was super epic size. It was 33 minutes and 25 seconds. And both guys were just going all out. And there were so many times where I was convinced that's going to be the finish. That's it. One, two, three. No. And it was like legit because I was like, I felt this was one of the few times I had no idea where they were going to go. I didn't read any spoilers. I didn't see what the direction was going to be afterwards. So I was wide open. And I was, it's probably one of the few times with the main event that I was going to be happy either way. It turned out like I didn't I was very 50 50 on it like it's been great Chamba wins it's great if Cole wins but but I, I loved how this played out because I didn't know where it was going and you know the ref gets bumped and it's like ah this match didn't really need a ref bump Undisputed Era comes out and I felt like okay I see what they're gonna do here they're gonna have Chamba overcome the odds and then he's gonna fight them off and he's gonna come back and get this win and that didn't happen. I was like, ooh, okay. And then UE were, were out so long that it was kind of like, well, I mean, Ciampa does have some allies. I mean, maybe Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne are out celebrating. But Keith Lee and Donovan Don, Nick Dijakovic had his back in war games. Did they not care? And then Johnny Gargano comes out from the other side of the ring. And I'm like, that's weird. Okay. But... He goes out and he grabs the NXT title, which uh, Roddy, had, or not Roddy, but Keith, <laughs> Keith had grabbed, and it was like Kyle. I don't know why I was calling him Keith, but Kyle O'Reilly grabbed, 
And then he takes it and smacks Chopper in the head. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is nuts. And that's what Cole uses to get his title defense. And he keeps the belt because of Johnny Gargano turning heel once again. And this time uh, setting up his boy Chopper. Now, this was very interesting and kind of this thing where I was like, oh, that was a decision they made. And then I thought about it a little more. Ciampa came out when Gargano won and when he beat Cole for the title, the, the vacated title, and gave him a big hug and like, hey, you know, I threw your wedding ring in the crowd. I embarrassed you in front of your wife. I tried to end your career. But congratulations, you won the title. All's forgiven. But unless I missed the show, which I don't think I have, or maybe there's some backstage segment that I may have missed on the YouTube channel, Ciampa never apologized. And Gargano kind of is well within his rights to turn on him because he did kind of screw him over. And to watch the fans embrace Ciampa kind of in a way that they weren't with Garner, with, with Johnny when he was fighting Adam Cole and he lost. The fans were 100% behind Cole and they were 100% behind Valor. So it was kind of like, you know, maybe you guys don't deserve me. And I'm not going to sit here and watch you guys cheer Ciampa, who tried to end my career, like you had these despicable people, Adam Cole and Finn Balor. He doesn't get that hero. He doesn't deserve that hero treatment. And I'm going to stop him from getting it. And... Okay, I mean, that's cool, right? So we can have heel Gargano versus face Ciampa, a, a switch of the dynamics that we had before. I just am curious what's going to be different about this feud because those two had epic clashes where they basically, the only thing they didn't have was Captain America's shield and Mitchellner to end the fight. Or the Infinity Gauntlet. So, I mean, it's basically, that was the only thing they didn't use in their feud earlier. So, I'm curious to see what direction they can go with this. And this, of course, also begs the question, what happens now with Undisputed Era? Does Adam Cole still has a title? Who's going to challenge him now? I kind of feel, like I said before, Finn Balor has beaten everyone who I would think would be a contender. He's beaten Gargano. He's beaten Ciampa. I know he took that loss to Cole, but who else hasn't at this point, right? I'm sure we'll get a multi-man match, but I think we got to give Finn Balor versus Adam Cole for that takeover Tampa, right? But in terms of this show, like I said, I loved it, but this Ciampa-Gargano finish was interesting. I kind of think as it ended, I was thinking maybe Ciampa should win. Um, I really hated Raquel Gonzalez interfering in that match with Kai and Knox. The lead Dominic Dijakovic match went five minutes, maybe too long. And I just wish there was some measure of suspense with, with Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair. Maybe I just wouldn't have had Belair in the match at all. Maybe what I would have done was just change it and make Charlotte and a partner of her choice from Raw maybe Becky go against Bianca and Rhea so we don't have to even waste Bianca's a legit contender 
I, whatever. It's just, I felt like they needed something that they could not do with this hanging over of Charlotte getting that title shot and everybody knowing it. So this was an interesting show. I think if I'm rating, I'd probably give it a nine. It was so close to being a 10, though. Just just a few things that needed to be changed, and it would have been a 10. But if you can only watch two on this match or on the show, go Gargano and Finn Balor and the Bros of Ways versus Undisputed Era. And I think you will really enjoy this one, even if you're like me and kind of questioning some of those booking decisions. But that's NXT. I don't know the next time I'll go back to breaking down a wrestling show, but if you do like this, if you want to hear me talk more about wrestling and what I thought about these shows, let me know in the comments. So I'll be back in a couple of days with a regular show with the guys. So stay tuned for that. And as always, check in my daily updates on LousMovieFiles.com. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and uh, leave me a comment. Thanks so much for listening. This episode of Lyle's Movie Files has been filed.